0: This is episode 107 of Relate on Peacebuilding Through Conversation with Joan Blades. We are spending more and more time in the online world looking through our screens and increasingly disconnected with those around us. But studies have proven that it's real-life meaningful relationships that bring us the most joy and happiness. It's all about human connection and conversing with people from a variety of backgrounds. Worlds change when eyes meet, so let's sit down and relate. Hello everyone, I am your host Patrick McAndrew and welcome to another episode of Relate. Today, we are talking about peace building through conversation with co-founder of Living Room Conversations, Joan Blades. This is a really great episode and I think a really important episode for the day and age we're living in today. I think that conversation is a really powerful art that a lot of us need to invest our time in. We need to take the opportunity to really get to know people from a wide variety of different backgrounds and really practice our listening and effective communication skills. And we talk a bit about that in today's episode. Joan talks with us about being intentional with our conversations and why we must deeply listen to each other. We talk about how the work that Joan is doing in creating conversations is peace building, how we need to avoid the danger of division so that we could embrace the opportunity for connection. She also talks with us about why it's important to care about people with different opinions from yourself. We talk about the importance of asking good questions and why we must go deeper with ourselves and with our relationships. I think there's a lot that you're going to get out of this episode with Joan. Living Room Conversations is an open source effort to build respectful, caring connections across ideological, cultural, and party lines while embracing our core shared values. Joan says that when we care about each other, We work to find ways to meet each other's core needs. In addition to Living Room Conversations, Joan is also the co-founder of MomsRising.org and MoveOn.org. She is a co-author of The Custom Fit Workplace and The Motherhood Manifesto. She's a mediator by training and inclination, and she is a nature lover, artist, and true believer in the power of citizens. Joan believes that we could honor the dignity of all individuals and seek understanding even as we hold differing beliefs. There is a lot packed into this episode, and if you think that a friend of yours would really benefit from hearing about the importance of communicating with someone from a different opinion than yourself, please send this episode their way. So without further ado, let me please introduce our guest, Joan Blades. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Relate. Our guest for this episode is Joan Blades. Joan, thanks so much for being with us today.
1: Wonderful to be with you.
0: Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited to have you on this show because you are the co-founder of an organization called Living Room Conversations. And I think that this type of organization is so crucially important to have nowadays, just with regards to assessing how we relate to one another, how we have a meaningful conversation. It's really right in line with what we talk A lot about on this podcast. So I'm really excited to have you on the show. And I'm wondering really just to start off by sharing with our listeners, what inspired you to create Living Room Conversations and tell us a bit about the organization and how how you came to found an organization like this?
1: Well, my founding story, and I'm a (laughs) co-founder, so... um, I am also co-founder of an organization called MoveOn.org and Montrising.org. and I live in Berkeley, California. I was born here, so I have, through MoveOn, I was very deeply exposed to politics all of a sudden, and I'm a mediator by origin and inclination, Um, and there came a point where I just was going, why are we seeing things so differently? And got very involved with a group called Reuniting America and had some great conversations with people across the political spectrum and made some good friends and realized by 2008 it was harder to have a conversation about climate with someone on the right than it had been in 2005.
0: Huh. Interesting.
1: Yeah. So I, managed, it was. So it started with conversations about across political differences, and so it was co-founded with a conservative and an independent partner back in 2010 when we were creating the first guides in 2011 testing them. It was politically focused, but over the years. What we've found is that this is a very valuable deep listening practice for connections across all kinds of differences. So, we have conversations right now all around the coronavirus that are, you know, coronavirus alone, solitude, or isolation. And that was actually inspired by a Sam Harris episode where there was this conversation about, you know, why do people seek solitude? And yet at the same time you have uh, the harshest punishment in the prison is solitary. How do we reconcile that? And it's about being intentional. We have faith communities that have taken these conversations and, do them monthly, and some individuals that do them weekly. Um, so the inspiration for it was political differences in that we would have to be in relationship with each other, with everyone's best ideas and with the agility of working together to solve complex problems. And it has evolved because this is an open source project to be that and much more
0: yeah yeah it's definitely definitely a lot to discuss in the art of conversation and discussing and develop developing relationships what what was it that that caused you to land on the name living room conversations because i i there there's something about that name that that i really like but I, I thought i would ask you first with regards to what what caused you to land on that name
1: you know, we struggled with it because we didn't want it only to be in the living room, but the living room feels like a safe place where we are guests and we are hosts. It, this is a small conversation practice, You six people, and originally conceived of as two co-hosts with different viewpoints, each invite two friends for a conversation, Um and that just seemed to have that welcome to it. Um, so I like the name, but at times I um, wish it were broader also, because they're also happening, or have been happening, in libraries and cafes and you know, just far more than living rooms. Now they're happening online. You know, the video conversations we've been doing for years And we have research back that shows that they are very similar in effectiveness to in-person conversation.
0: Some people actually
1: prefer the video because, yeah, you can gather people from all across the country. Living in Berkeley, um, you know, gathering a politically diverse group is more challenging in person, honestly but not if it's by video. It's much, much easier.
0: Yeah, I guess that would make sense because I guess when we're talking about diversity and bringing people together from different backgrounds, I guess location does play a, a big part in that. So yeah, that's it's, it's very fascinating that now that you've, uh, or I guess I, since online conversations have become a lot more prevalent, it's very interesting that now You're seeing that you're getting a wide variety of different perspectives because of that.
1: Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things your listeners are focused on is technology. The technology and relationship conversation, left, right doesn't matter very much. What really matters is age differences. So that's a great intergenerational conversation.
0: Yeah. Would you say in your experience of... Organizing, moderating these conversations, with the vast array of differences that can take place amongst a conversation, what have you, have you found? Has it been intergenerational? Has it been race? Has it been political? What what has uh, I guess been the most surprising outcome of a conversation with people from? many different backgrounds.
1: Oh, you've asked me many, <laughs> there's so much in that question you asked. <laughs>
0: <So let> me, <laughs> right. There is, let me there try is.
1: to break it up a little bit. Um, we have over a hundred different conversation guides and these are self-facilitated conversations. The conversation guide creates a container so that, the people convening whether it be one host or two have a really easy path to follow because the conversation agreements that start you start out with together are basically what we all learned in kindergarten take turns be respectful be curious and we all know this stuff when we're in person with each other so there's, there's some bad dynamics that have been fostered online at times and in the media that are causing us to be very disrespectful to each other. And this is just everyone in this small conversation saying, we're going to treat each other well. And then the conversation rounds start with, Letting people talk a little bit about their deeper values. And there are a few questions you can choose, the one that speaks to you. So that by the time you get to the topic, you've all agreed you're going to talk about. You have a sense about these other people being people that, you know, you share something with that you can appreciate on some level. And the reality of human beings is we don't really listen to people until we feel like we're connected to them in some way. Now that's why when you ha- see these arguments, you almost never see anyone change their mind about anything. If when our minds shift, it's when it's, it happens because of someone we trust, someone we have some connection with. And that, you know, it's a shift that tends to be a softening rather than a total transformation of an idea. Um. So we are creating that space for people to just deeply listen to each other and the questions tend to go to your personal relationship with whatever the topic. So we do have some very political conversations like guns and responsibility. But it's people talking about their own relationship to guns. Um, there's a church in Boise, Idaho that they had the gun issue blow up on their Facebook community page and they had to shut it down. And they do monthly living room conversations and they had a different conversation plan, but they had that conversation instead that month. And the stories I heard back from that were just really powerful about, you know, people that have, you know, Totally opposite viewpoints, you know, one table where there were a couple of men that were ready to die for their Second Amendment rights. And a woman that had, had, you know, serious trauma around guns, just really hearing each other in the course of the conversation. And, you know, the the third round of the conversation is just reflection, reflection on the conversation you've had and maybe next steps if it's something like that. But you don't have to have next steps. Good conversation takes time to, you know, filter through the system. And it leaves you feeling, you know, like you have had a good meal. (laughs) At least it does for me.
0: I would absolutely agree with that, that when we have a conversation with someone, especially someone who we think that we're not going to agree with or see eye to eye with, when we're able to find those commonalities and meet in the middle and realize that we share a lot of similarities, I I love how you put it. It really is like having a a good meal. There's something about it that really makes us feel whole. and, And there's really this visceral human experience that you have when you connect with someone from a very different background. Would you say that this is why it's important for us to... Uh, you have something on your website about connect across divides. And I love how that's phrased. Would you say this is why it's important is because of that feeling that we all get when we realize, oh, we're act we actually have more similarities than we think, because there might be some people, some skeptics, maybe who stumble upon this episode. And they're like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to engage in that conversation. Those people stick to what they're doing. I'll stick to what I'm doing. And that's that. Uh, Why is it important for us to connect across divides?
1: Well, (laughs) I have so much to say about that. Um, In the last few years, I've started to describe this work as peace building because there's something very dangerous about seeing Other people from in different communities as so different and less than. You know, horrible things have happened in other countries because of demonizing others. And I never want to see that happen in this country. And we've been, you know, trending towards more and more talking about those people. And I don't even want to talk to them. There are more and more people that say, I don't want to talk to those people. And that's a, I think that's a very dangerous place to go. And it's a unhealthy place to go. We have, you know, as a society, we have failed on a number of fronts that are deeply important. Um, my, you know, so there's the, the danger of too much division. Uh, which, you know, includes civil war. We did that once. We should never, ever do that again. And there's the opportunity of connection, which means effectively dealing with complex problems. You know, I, I was baffled that not everybody was concerned about climate change. I said, okay, what's going on here? Well, it started to become clear to me once I started talking to people On the right. And, you know, with the people I talk to, you know, there's a softening of position and people start caring. You know, even if it's not their issue, when you care about someone, you care about their issues some. Uh, So my friend Jacob, you know, he started caring about climate because he cares about me and he cares about another friend that, and it became an interest to him. And, you know, he's a, Social conservative, uh, and you know, said, Ah, so this is your end time story. And I, you know, hadn't thought about it that way, but yes. And I'm hearing from him that, you know, he's afraid of his community uh, essentially being ostracized, being seen as, uh, you know, other and not part of the greater society. And, you know, I do not want to have him put in that position either. So we we gain sympathy for each other in that context as we connect. And that's I think that's critical to being able to solve the big problems because, you know, I ask people, you know, what do you care about? Now, imagine that. Everyone in DC woke up tomorrow morning and that was their top issue. I just want to point out that healthcare has been a top issue for the last two decades and we have the most expensive healthcare in the world. And we're not even in the top ten when it comes to outcomes. So we it's not about forcing people to agree this is important. It's about actually being able to <clears throat> excuse me, work together. And have everyone's best ideas in the room and adapt and change as we need to. Because complex problems require that kind of coherent and agile response.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of good, uh, obviously, and (laughs) I don't need to tell you this, but a lot of good comes out of that because even if someone has a different opinion from yourself, I imagine that, that that you could still learn a lot from that other person by gaining a deeper understanding of the other perspective. I'd, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on confirmation bias, because especially in this technological age of social media, it's very easy to have your news feed, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook, be filled with whether it's news stories or comments or, or posts or whatever it may be that confirm your beliefs. Cause that's how the, the social media agro- algorithms work in order to keep your attention on those platforms. How, how can we, we overcome those biases. Is it is it really just a matter of talking with someone who might be on the other side of the political spectrum, or might be on the other side of some other ideologies?
1: I think overcome is an overstatement. I think we can
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, diminish it some. I, I find it fascinating. I'm when I'm in a conversation and we're talking about someone's explaining something that I really disagree with, I'm listening. I'm really listening and I'm working to understand, but I've seen it's hard for me to repeat it. You know, I'm trying to describe to others, okay, other people see this differently. (laughs) And I find myself not able to do it justice because it just conflicts with my beliefs in such a, critical way so even when we're trying you know you can you can get some understanding some empathy uh, but when you say take care of it I think that's way hard (laughs) to
0: probably probably a little too optimistic
1: (laughs) but you know that's the thing is when we become a little more aware and when we have people we care about that have different viewpoints then we don't dismiss things so, you know, rapidly. Uh, And that's important. That makes a huge difference.
0: Yeah. I think that there is a big key in that with regards to caring about people with, with different opinions. I think that's a really healthy thing that, and, and why I love what you're doing with living room conversations is that it promotes that. It's not every day that you have someone come up to you or you have an organization come up to you and say I encourage you or or I invite you to talk with someone who might have a different opinion about life than you do. I think that it's it's a really a really beautiful gift that you, that you're giving through living room conversations that I, I personally I would love to see implemented just like in the in mainstream society and and actually that brings me to another question that i had something that you had on your website i I can't remember the the exact wording of it but it was along the lines of uh finding the joy in working together with someone that has like a, a different opinion and i i love that because i do believe that there is an immense amount of joy that could be found how do you think that people can go about finding that joy when they're in conversation with someone who might be saying things that are really irking them?
1: Um, well, I'm going to assume that you're talking about a living room conversation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes.
1: Because if it's just a conversation where you're feeling irked, often, you know, we've had so much bad conversation uh, modeled for us in the last many years, the media hones in on our fights and on really disrespectful ways of interacting with people that see things differently. In a living room conversation, um, you know, when something irks me, I basically sit with it. This is, you know, this is a listening practice. And it may be that, you know, at a later point, I get a chance to go a little deeper there. Asking good questions, remarkably powerful. One of the things I love about this conversation practice is people do it and they come away with more conversation, sophistication and skills it's a it's a reminder about just how powerful it is to listen to someone just not trying to come with a response but just trying to listen and understand their point of view and also of what's a good question cuz you know so much of what we're seeing is gotcha to questions and that doesn't take you anywhere that's and you know, the idea that we can argue people into a different point of view has been, you know, kind of shown to be not very effective so many times. And in fact, you know, for a lot of people, they, arguing with them puts them more solidly into whatever their point of view is. So effective uh, communication Starts with listening, it seems to me. And this is a good way to, you know, practice that. And, you know, as a host or co-host, you think about who would I really like to hear from on this topic? And, you know, conversations about forgiveness or unity or hope are, you know, at this time, just a really beautiful thing to do. A lot of people are, you know, feeling uh, isolated. And how do we allow that to be a time of reflection and finding things that have deep meaning for us? That's what I'm enjoying in this conversation practice. Is, you know, people are finding ways to be more the people they want to be. I think that's why faith communities are, you know, embracing this in various ways.
0: I imagine it's a, or or perhaps maybe in the beginning, did did you find that it was a difficult sort of practice to establish? It was a, a difficult structure to put in place in the beginning with regards to organizing these living room conversations or did it feel very organic in how you approached it and and put it together and then you kind of evolved it over time How how was that process in the beginning when you were figuring out how to go about these living room conversations
1: well The process was put together with a group of dialogue experts. And the piece I tried to bring to the table was to keep it as simple as possible and to be sure that it didn't require a facilitator, someone that was trained, because the hope is that this can be something that people use in a massive way.
0: And for those, we
1: can change our culture if we have tens of thousands of conversations like this.
0: And for our listeners out there who might not know what a dialogue expert is, would would you just be able to explain that real quick?
1: Um, Well, there are people that facilitate conversations in all sorts of contexts. And as a mediator, I. I facilitated a certain kind of con- conversation, generally between people that had different interests, to help them make decisions about uh, that needed to be made in a way that they would both agree. Um, and I was, a, f- a mediator is not in control of the decision making. Uh, arbitrator is and judges <laughs> so that that's the kind of dialogue expert i have background as but there are you know people that facilitate large trainings and small talks and uh for all sorts of different purposes but and things like conversation cafes that are there's a, a whole world of dialogue experts out there that want people to talk to each other and find it rewarding and so we were trying to use the best of that to create something that could be self-facilitated. And, you know, so we created a container, and I think it's—I think it stood the test of time. Um, we had research done on it uh, last year, going into this year, that found that both the short-term and the longer-term goals of these conversations were very effective.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it must be amazing too to see the evolution of it as well. I guess over the past ten years that you've been doing it, it, have you ever run into situations, or do you know people, or like, do you have people that you work with who have organized living room conversations, and but perhaps maybe there's a guest or two who shows up, but doesn't really want to be there. They were kind of dragged there and they're like, okay, I guess I'll go to this living room conversation. Have you ever had those type of situations happen? And then if so, how did you navigate them? And then what was the ending result?
1: Um, you know, I haven't heard any specific cases of people dragged there that were a problem because The small size tends to, you know, have people take good care of each other.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Um, I'm sure it's happened in some contexts. I think our biggest challenge at times, someone comes that is not as aware of how much time they're taking up as they perhaps should be. And that can be a little bit uh, less perfect, though it's not a disaster. It's just, you know, some people are comfortable saying, uh, let's make sure so-and-so gets to talk too." And one of the conversation agreements is everyone's responsible for the quality of the conversation. So the hosts typically feel a little more responsibility than the guests, but everybody is Invited to help the conversation go as well as it possibly can, and you don't come unless that's your your desire and your goal right
0: right right, and I guess through your experience of of having these m- multiple conversations and then obviously doing a lot of i i imagine a lot of research into how to create an effective living room conversation, has there been like a couple of key takeaways, maybe like like five or, or, or three or maybe even like two or, or even just one takeaway that maybe like some key tips on how those of us who might be looking to improve our communication skills can go about doing so?
1: Oh, I think my key takeaway is, um, listening is a great way to get people to listen to you and being truly curious about, You know, asking good questions is a great way to make connection. So it's really very, very straightforward and simple on many levels. And the more people that do that, the better. And then getting people to step outside of their normal social circle is the thing that became increasingly challenging as the polarization happened more and more. People talk more and more just to people that have similar beliefs to them. And that's something that we have been working on, something called mismatch uh, with my partner at All Sides, uh, which provides news from across the political spectrum. And that's a, a tool to help people meet others <laughs> that are politically mismatched. Think match.com, hmm. but for differences. <laughs>
0: oh, I love that. I, I, so is, it a, is that a program that you guys have already started or, or you're in the process of putting together?
1: Well, it's available for schools now.
0: Oh, great. And so
1: classrooms across the country have gotten to talk to each other. Uh, But the version, you know, it's hard to get these things resourced. So the version for everyday folks is not yet available, but I can't wait till it is. Because what happened is, you know, in 2010, 2011, asking a friend, colleague, neighbor with a different viewpoint to co-host a conversation was pretty doable. But... By 2016, people had become so polarized and seen relationships lost and harmed by politics. People were no longer to make, ready to make that kind of invitation, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we had to look for additional ways to do that. You know, Some people were still able to, but there's a lot of people that weren't. And that's too bad. That's. That's one of the reasons I think it's so important we're doing this. Though right now, you know, I'd say with people sheltering in place, maybe you just want to ask your neighbor who's feeling lonely or your family member and have, an, have intergenerational conversations. Now, one of my um, folks that I talked to has told me about her mother and nephews all being on a on a call and being great conversations and getting to know her nephews in ways she wouldn't otherwise. Hmm. You know, the Zoom conversations have been, you know, the not formal organization Zoom conversations are lovely, but they're not meaty. They don't have that feeling of, wow, we really had a conversation. So she, she has just had many of these conversations in the last month which delights
0: me. Yeah, it's really, I guess, taking the perceived negative that's going on and obviously a lot of issues going on nowadays, but really spinning that and really trying to find the positive in that through through connection and through relationship building. It, I, I love hearing stories like that because it's really taking this situation that can be very grim but allowing yourself to reach out and really connect with with those and and as you just mentioned perhaps connecting with those who you might not have connect with b- beforehand it's 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 truly very powerful it
1: is it's a way to be in connection with people that you already know and like and go deeper
0: yes and
1: and it's also going deeper with yourself with many of these topics. I, mean, I was hearing just earlier this week about you know parents getting a chance to talk because they're working and they have kids home and they're just stressed out of their minds and having the ability to have you know the conversation about you know loss it was just, meaningful to them at this time you know finding meaning loss and grief in the time of corona is just a powerful conversation
0: yeah yeah and i, I think to go off what you said about listening as well is like really listening to to yourself and then to others and i, I feel like to the world around you as well regarding how best we can respond in in this type of situation that, that, that actually leads me to, to my next question. So much of what we talk about on this podcast is about the importance of meaningful relationships and connection, especially in, in today's digital age. And I, I'm wondering from your perspective and given all the work that you've done both before and during living room conversations, how do you believe we as a society can better relate to one another?
1: Um, I am hoping that we can take this time of really profound change in the way we're living our lives to reflect on how we want to be living our lives with each other going forward. Now, I can think of... Nobody that's not impacted in some way right now. And this is a pandemic. Nothing like this has happened in my lifetime. Not at this level. It's It's a time when I think we need to embrace the fact that we are all connected. And that we're going to do a lot better when we stay in connection, um, there's a false story going on right now. I think of are we choo- a false choice between are we choosing economic prosperity or human life, and I think the idea that it's if we just let everything go on and we had people dying around us, it wouldn't impact our economy profoundly. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I think that's a mistake. <laughs> uh, I think we have to, you know, we can't just say, okay, we're just going to let it burn through. Cause that burning, um, could be more economically, uh, devastating, I think it would be more economically devastating. So that's the assumption it's one or the other is not seeing that there's a lot of nuance to all this. We human beings have this tendency to like the simplicity of black and white. And so little of life is truly black and white. There's many shades of gray, and I haven't even talked about color yet.
0: <laughs> <You> well, <know? laughs> I'm I'm curious now. What what are your thoughts on color?
1: I love colors, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, many shades of gray for me represents that there's a lot more um, sophistication needed as we approach challenges. And that, you know, we need to be really listening to each other and having everyone's best ideas to work with. The color for me is the joyful part of it. Color, You know, there are wonderful things we can do when we're really in connection with each other and caring about each other. And I am, for whatever reason, an optimist. Most people really want good things for their community, for their family, for the world. And, you know, that's kind of a really nice starting place, honestly. And somehow we get stuck in our differences. I'd like to figure out some alternatives.
0: Yeah, it's... It really, when you phrase it that way, it really is almost like these these headlights th- that that show just like how truly powerful connection can be, and and just like what what can be birthed from a, a deep and meaningful conversation with somebody that you have known for years, someone who you just met recently, or maybe someone who you just met at the beginning of the conversation. It really is. Incredibly powerful. What what can be done, Joan? I, I want to thank you so much for for joining us on on relate and th- not only talking about the, all all this amazing work that you're doing with living room conversations and and sharing this with all of us on the show, but also thank you for the work that you're doing because I think now more than ever it's so important that we sit down and have conversations with people who come from very different backgrounds who might have a completely different worldview on life. And to sit down with these people, respect each other's opinions, and then at the same time, be able to find those commonalities. So thank you so much for just a- everything that you've done.
1: You're welcome. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing about the conversations you have. It was great.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. Absolutely. Where can our listeners find out more about you and your work and and more about Living Room Conversations?
1: Livingroomconversations.org. We have all sorts of wonderful conversations there and hopefully everything they need to have their own. And then I'm asking them to please let us know about it because this is an open source project where we learn from the people that are using the conversations. That's how, you know, how it keeps improving. We have a race and ethnicity conversation that was one conversation, and now it's a set of three because a group of leaders said, you know, one conversation's not enough. And they did this beautiful expansion of it. Um, So there are all sorts of wonderful conversations there that now's a great time to have them and a great time to kind of take care of others and do good things for yourself.
0: Great. Well, I'll make sure to include the link to Living Room Conversations in the show notes. So listeners out there, please visit this website. There's a lot of great information on there. I mean, just to echo Joan, I was just really enjoying going through the website and and learning more about what, what the organization is all about. And, and yeah, and as Joan said, this is open source. So I, I highly recommend... Checking it out. Joan, one last question for you before we head on out. What is your definition of a deep, meaningful relationship? Hmm.
1: Um, Oh, that's. (laughs) I don't have an easy answer to that. I think the core of it is it's someone I love, but I love very different people, right? And every person I have a different kind of relationship with. So maybe that's my definition is someone that I love and have a meaningful connection with of some sort.
0: <laughs> hey, that's that's great. This is that's actually something that is very simplistic but very deep and meaningful that our listeners can take with them. So Joan, thank you so much again.
1: Thank you. Stay well.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Relate. You can let me know your thoughts on this episode by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving me a review. Or if you have the Anchor app, feel free to call in and leave a voicemail. I would love to hear from you. You can support this podcast by clicking the link in the show notes. Thank you so much again for tuning in, and I'll catch you all in the next episode.